Welcome back to FinTalk brought to you by Vermo. Here we discuss pressing topics in fintech, regtech, covering regulatory, collateral, and digital across banking and insurance and finance. Vermic has been proud to deliver innovative software solutions in the industry with stability and cost efficiency for our global Rostock clients. With over 20 years of trusted transformation in finance and insurance, we're bringing industry's top expertise to FinTalk. I'm Jared Akta, and I'll be your host for this podcast. Welcome back to FinTalk, brought to you by Vermeg. I'm Jared Akta, your host. Today I have with me Oivind. Welcome, Oivind. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. So before we dive into the topic and let Oivind introduce himself, we're going to talk about Basel 3.1, but in particular, we're going to go into property. That's a key topic. So welcome, Oivind. Well, thank you very much. People that don't know you, a bit about you, what you're doing at the moment with BDO. So I'm a principal at BDO, so I guess I'm the lead banking prudential person. So what I tend to do is, obviously, I'm very focused on things like regulatory reporting, Basel 3.1, you know, how things develop. I work with a lot of Vermeer clients already, which is great. <laughs> and I also do things like conducting skilled persons reviews on the regulatory reporting. I help firms with, I guess, developing a sort of capital and liquidity optimization. So I'm up going to the ICAP and ILAP territory as well. So I've been at BDO for, I guess, almost 10 years now. So I've sort of developed a practice. A lot of my clients tend to be sort of medium-sized banks and some building societies. And I guess I also have some sort of foreign clients as well, but my focus is very much on the sort of, you know, the medium-sized mm. standardized firm, if you like. So really busy then with the with all the audits, I can imagine you can have yeah. a few audits. Yeah, absolutely. Around. Yeah. So I think there's there's a two live section 166s at the moment, <laughs> and there's quite a few um, sort of internal audit reviews and guess regulatory health checks going on at the moment so yeah very busy indeed absolutely very busy so i want to type in dive into kind of basel 3.1 yeah uh, i know it's a massive topic everyone's yep. talking about it so before we dive into property yeah your view your overview on, on on where we stand at the moment i know kind of as a recording uh, uh, currently it's still a, it's still in cp mode so we haven't quite uh, received the ps here but your your thoughts on it and your overview yeah, no, no, it's really interesting. And I think it's very timely. So obviously the PRA has committed to 1st of January 2025, you know, as the live date. Um, and I think the way the Basel 3.1 has landed in the UK is that they've stayed very close to the Basel regulations, perhaps a lot closer than some of the other jurisdictions yeah. like United States and the European Union, for example. And I think the PRA has, has uh, yeah, so they haven't I guess been as flexible as we thought they would. So there's there's a couple of examples on you know how you know, they've been quite strict, for example, on the SME factors, you know, mm. as one example, you know, compared to what we have seen from the proposal from the EU. So I think it's it will have an overall impact on firms. I expect capital requirements for pillar one to go up for most firms actually. And that's mainly driven by I guess higher, you know, some higher risk weights, and then also the fact that for mortgages and re- and resin mortgages, for example, there's there's a new way of calculating loan to value. So you go down the value at origination as opposed to the sort of market value. So that will probably more and offset some of the new risk weighting bands. So I think overall firms will will expect to see a small increase in the capital requirements. Yeah, and. No, you mentioned uh, mortgages, so I won't yeah. dive into that. Yeah, no, that's, that's the topic we're yeah, going yeah. to t- cover today. So historically, mortgages, let, let's take resis, let's start with resis. Yeah. So resi mortgages, 80% LTV, 35% risk weights, and then anything over is 100%. Yeah. Right? What's changed? That's a really good question, actually. It's quite a big fundamental change. <laughs> so first of all, the regulators have introduced a lot of new asset classes 
for mortgages. So they're splitting it in between what we call the loan spritting approach and what we call the whole loan approach. So for example, if you have your classic sort of standardized residential mortgage and you meet certain criteria, so I, I you live in the property, for example, and and you know, then there's an you know, there's a new calculation called the a loan splitting approach. So it's quite interesting because it's you're basically splitting the loan up. So the first sort of part of the of the of the loan will be subject to a risk rate of twenty percent. And then depending on how of your loan to value, then you will apply up to sort of the risk rate of the, of the counterpart is 75%, for example, for retail, for you know, for the remaining part. So if I give you an example, it's probably the easiest actually, you know, <laughs> if we have time for that. But if you have an eighty thousand loan to, you know, which is secured on the property valued at a hundred thousand, called a classic example, then you will apply a risk rate of twenty percent to 55,000 of the exposure and the risk weight of 75% to the residual amount of 25,000. So the total risk weighted assets for that will be basically 29,750. So it's 20% at 55 times 55,000 and then 75% of the 25. So there's a split of the bands based on the loan to value. So it's quite sort of different from what we see at the moment. And then we also have for, for aggressive mortgages that don't meet the criteria, we have what we call the whole loan approach. And that is basically where you have a, a loan that materially depends on the cash flows generated by the property. So for buy-to-lets where you own actually more, more than four properties, then you'll have basically, you look at the loan, loan to value of the property and then you apply the risk weight. So if you have less than, if you have less than 50% uh, loan to value, you get 30% risk weight. Uh, and then it goes as high as 105% if you have uh, a loan to value of more than 100 so it's quite a sort of different approach that they split kind of the loans into whether or not it's materially dependent on cash flows. I think one important thing to say is that if you have sort of the classic portfolio landlord that the PRA refers to, so where you, for example, own three properties that you let out and then you have a fourth property which, which you live in, that will still fall under the loan splitting approach. So it will be treated as a normal sort of residential mortgage in line with the you know the example I gave. It's quite a big change for firms. And I think also with RESI, as I said in my introduction, the PRA is changing the way they look at loan to value calculation. And this is quite critical because at the moment under the current UK CRR, loan to value is based on on the market value of the property. Yeah. And it's sort of firms are allowed to use, I guess, sort of auto automated valuation methods, for example, so like sort of, you know, looking at computer models to see actually how much is your property worth. And that's kind of what you use for the learn to value calculation. Yeah. However, for Basel 3.1, the proposals are actually, it's much more strict the way you value the property and it has to be on the original value. So you have to go and basically use that value at the start. And, you know, if a year later, the property uh, re revalues, you still have to stick with the original value. So that comes back to my point that although some of the risk weights may be lower in, in the low to value bands, because you can go as low as 20%, for example, you'll still have probably be offset by the original value. I think the average sort of mortgage at the moment is, I think it's around four and a half years. So I think then, then you know, you, you can just see that the kind of the original value can potentially be sort of four and a half years yes, out of date. Yeah. yeah. And obviously that depends on the market. And if the market goes down, you have to, you know, to obviously revalue your property straight away. But if not, you have to stick at the original value. So I think that's one of the challenges that firms have come up with that actually, you know, yeah, it's great that there's new risk weights, but, you know, there's quite a big um, change in, in the way the loan to value is 
calculated. And I think one th- also another really important thing to mention, Jared, is that there are some exposures that currently get the resi treatment that you can no longer treat as resi. So, for example, care homes, you know, purpose-built student accommodation and holiday lets, they will now be treated as commercial. Uh-huh. So, yeah, which I think will probably mean 100% risk weight as opposed to 35. So I've already spoken to, you know, some lenders that, you know, are quite big in things like student accommodation, care homes and so on, and they're quite worried. And I think that on social housing, for example, that's another sort of area that fits into RESI. That's, you know, the PRA say, yeah, you can use a loan splitting approach. Great, you think, but actually they say, yeah, you have to floor it at 75% risk weight. So again, that's quite a challenge for, for, you know, for some firms. And I think also another thing on the RESI side to mention is that historically we've had firms using the SME support factor, so the small and medium-sized yeah. enterprise factor, to, you know, to calculate risk-weighted assets and to sort of get a discount, if you like. That's you know, no longer permitted. It's sort of offset to some extent with a new sort of SME asset class, but that wouldn't be permitted to use if you're using a residential asset class anyway. So yeah, for some firms that will have an impact. And I think just one final thing to say on on the kind of the some of the the challenges we've seen with Basel three point one and the residential mortgages is that if you have a developer, for example, that builds a block of flats, you know, to let out, and you know, historically some firms have managed to argue that it's residential because they have signed contracts, etc., in place, although it's the, the properties under construction. That's no longer permitted. So the PRA has introduced a new asset class called ADC, which is Acquisition, Development and Construction. So that asset class really only has two options. One is 150% risk weight. It's a bit like the speculative property financing that you have at the moment. And then if you have sort of signed buy-to-let contracts, then you can get 100% risk weight instead. So again, that's, you know, for some banks, particularly medium-sized banks in the UK, quite active in the property development market. Yeah, they'll see a bit of a setback there as well, I think, in terms of risk weight. So yeah, quite a a fundamental change and, you know, and and challenge for some firms. What I do like about Basel 3.1 is I think there's more clarity than what we've seen before. So for example, the regulators are quite clear on saying, yeah, it applies to, you know, to, you know, if you meet these criteria. So for example, if you're a a care home, then you know sort of whether or not you're in or out of scope. So it it will make the reporting for firms, I think, slightly easier from an interpretation perspective. Yeah, I think that's always been the point, right? Yeah. Around the interpretation. Yeah. How they value the property as well yeah. and, and all the requirements they yeah. need to do. A couple of things. With all those changes, is that, yeah. is that that's going to massively impact the market? Is yeah. And uh, I can see, do you see banks um, kind of providing mortgages or of coming out of mortgages you know there's, there's talk about 100% mortgages at the moment in the in the, in, yeah. in the news and and firms given that is that's just gonna there's no value to them anymore why why would a bank want to do that well i think is they have to look at the kind of the pricing obviously that's what drives it mm. and the kind of whether they want to get things like market share so there's many reasons why firms yeah. want to do that but i think if you sort of take away the fundamentals and look at it on a like for like basis i guess it's less attractive so, for example, if the government is championing, you know, house building, you know, and, and, and sort of people to own their own home, et cetera, I mean, this is going to make it a lot more difficult, Yeah. particularly also for sort of larger developers that use, use the SME factor, for example, so, so, so which I think has been linked to sort of property development and, you know, sort of some of the buy-to-lets, et cetera. So, yeah, it's not necessarily as, as beneficial and there's a big change uh, for firms and, uh, I guess, in sort of pricing models, you know, fundamental. 
And I think also what the biggest concern I've had from firms is around the the way they're going to use the valuation method under the original values. There's one thing is that, yeah, you can probably identify it, but the fact that you can't, um, you, you know, you can't use models to calculate it will, will be a big challenge. So they don't think the industry is scared up for this at all. There's not enough surveyors, mm. you know, there's, you know, the systems hasn't, you know, they haven't been calibrated and so on. So it's quite a big challenge to get that right. And I think actually that's one of the things we're probably going to see some change or some movement on in the consultation, you know, when the consultation sort of comes back with the, you know, with the supervisory statement yeah. is that we'll probably see some more guidance on, you know, how you would value the property. But, you know, fundamentally, it's a big change for firms. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a fair point, isn't it? I think we're talking about it from a reporting perspective, yeah. but actually behind the scenes yeah. is getting those valuations is going to be a whole different ball game, And yeah. those, those industries haven't really geared up for that. Just before we touch on commercial property, I yep. want to just ask a question about buy-to-lets. Now, yep. previously, buy-to-lets, there was a, a loss-given ratio that the regulator would publish, and it was over a five- or six-year period. Yep. And, you know, is that still standing? Is that still now? How, the, how does a buy-to-let, is it different now before they did it, or is it going to stay the same? Well, I think it's, it, it's changed sort of quite fundamental. I think the way you will have to look is, is from a buy-to-let perspective, you, you have to see whether or not you basically you are material dependent on cash flows so you know your property you know if you let it out so that will sort of fall into a new asset class if you like and in that asset class you'll then look at actually how many properties do i own you know so, so you have to look at that and then if you own sort of like, like as i said earlier the three plus one then you can go back into the kind of the the normal resi approach but then if you have to have to stay in in the kind of in in the whole loan approach then you will get then you will get you know you'll be subject to the new risk weights i haven't seen any reference to the sort of loss rates etc mm. but that's clearly there's a big change anyway for the way you calculate it so i think for for you know for lenders that are active in in the sort of buy to let space, I think there'll be quite a big, you know, quite a big change. Yeah, I don't think the some of the impact analysis I've seen for firms is that actually the risk weights for buy to let are much higher. So the average risk weight is much higher than than what they are at the moment. It's one of the areas where we see the biggest increase, and I think that's also magnified by using the original value for 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 the kind of the yeah. loan to value. So yeah, it's a big. You know, it's a big change. So I think firms need to be prepared for that. And as you said, not just on the regulatory reporting side, obviously there's new templates and new calculations, et cetera, but there's also the kind of you know, the business model side. So yeah, so I've had quite a lot of questions from from the first line, sort of you know, head of mortgages, for example, kind of asking questions, what does this mean? You know, yeah. you know, how do we price this? So yeah, a really big change for firms. I think one thing to say as well, if you look at the wider kind of property market, is that the big banks on the IRB model mm. They will have what we call a, a sort of a capital floor introduced at 75, 72.5% of the standardised risk weight. So basically, where you see some of the very biggest banks in the UK at the moment having a you know risk weight of you know 10% for residential mortgages and having a huge benefit now actually they will also have to do a standardized calculation and then yep. uh the capital requirement will be floored at 72.5 percent of that so i think that will actually improve some of the competitiveness uh, and be beneficial to i guess some of your you know your customers yeah uh, uh, so this is a bit of sort of give and take but i think there's overall i think there's more um result in increased capital requirements yeah, I think there's always going to be winners and losers, right? Yeah, and there's always going to be someone that's going to be upset yeah, to, yeah. to, to yeah. another person. The biggest shift I've seen in there is the commercial property. Yeah. Now, you know, historically, everyone knows 
PRA said 100% commercial property on, on there. They never published those those loss rates, did they? So <laughs> no. But this is different now. Yeah. No, it's it is quite different. So I think the the just like the I guess with the old Basel rules as well, there was scope for a fifty percent risk yeah. weight, and I think you know there were some horror stories about that in the past. Yeah. But like like I said, the PRA had had you know, they sort of put in their own floor basically and said okay, it's going to be a hundred percent. So now again, Basel three point one opens up for I guess risk weights again based on the loan to value, and you know, and there's a scaler a bit like what you have on the residential approach. So yeah. in theory, you can get a lower risk weight, which I think is depending on the on the the loan to value bands for the for the commercial property. Uh, however, the PRA has, I guess, almost unhelpfully said that actually, you know, the kind of the hundred percent floor will apply. So, so I think that's you know, and they said that explicitly, and I guess provided some arguments saying, oh, there's quite a lot of risk attached to commercial property. So I think it's it will you will sort of still end up with a hundred percent. I think the only thing, big difference is that actually there can be scope for them to take that off quite easily if they want to, and then you'll have a whole new calculation underneath. Which is, you know, firms I think need, need to be geared up for to calculate around, you know, getting the the loan to value, for example, calculating the sort of the original value, you know, all all those kind of you know aspects. I think it's really really important. Yeah, thank you for that. We've covered quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, no, we have. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we've done resi, we've done buy to let, commercial. Yeah. yeah. Just briefly, I know you're doing a lot of work in the market. Right? Yeah. Because we're talking to similar people. Yeah. Um, but what's your thoughts on it? And you know, how how are you seeing the next? So say six to what, next next eighteen months. How do you see that? Yeah, so I think that what firms are doing now, they have uh, obviously the, the the consultation paper landed last year. So firms went through that. There was, I think, a lot of responses to the uh, PRA. I think it was one of the biggest responses they ever had. So loads of firms and UK Finance and some of the other uh, like Building Society Association, they all responded with loads of feedback. Firms have in parallel started to undertake impact analysis. So what do I mean by that is, for example, they take their own residential mortgage loan book and then, you know, calculate the RWAs on the old rules and the new rules and see actually, you know, what needs to, you know, needs to change. So some firms have done that. And I think it's been quite helpful because it's identified some of the pressure points. And for some firms, for example, are heavily involved in, you know, social housing, for example, you know, quite a big impact yeah. because it's like a 75% uh, floor calculation. The most impact I've seen for firms have been around the SME factor being removed, which I think I've touched on a couple of times. Yeah. So I think that's quite fundamental, you know, for that. I think what else firms are doing is that they are looking at, yeah, do we have the right data, you know, in our data stores? You know, some firms have started to look at the templates as well. I think there's there's some draft templates, sort of co-rep style <laughs> templates, you know, in the appendix yeah. of the of the consultation paper. So they've started to look at those as well. And I think firms will, you know, eagerly await the the PRA's, you know, supervisory statement that will come on the back of of the consultation, so sort of nail some of the final points, and then I think they'll just prepare for for the kind of the impact. Start to look at things like risk appetite, products, pricing. You know, just get the whole sort of, you know, the overall view of capital requirements moving. Some firms I know as well are looking at the impact of the strong and simple regime at the same time. I think that's probably if they have sufficient amounts of capital and it's not really sort of that tight for them. I think that could potentially be a 
route to go down. I know they're sort of slightly out of the scope of this this session, but it's 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 something that they that they will actively consider, and they're holding back some of the impact analysis until the capital requirements for the strong and simple approach has landed. And I think that's in line with what the PRA has said as well. They don't want firms to do the kind of the impact assessment twice. Yeah. Um, but I think the bigger firms and, and sort of the firms that sort of you know actively uh, manage their capital are. I'll, you know, very carefully looking at Basel 3.1 with a lot of lenses and obviously regulatory reporting is key and, you know, and, and calculating the impact is absolutely fundamental. Yes, yeah, so that's a big, you know, big, big part of firms. And yeah, I've seen resources been allocated to, to sort of project teams as well. And, and yeah, I think there's quite a big demand in the industry for sort of regulatory reporting professionals at the moment looking at, you know, working on Basel 3.1 yeah. projects. Yeah, we're seeing similar projects gearing up, teams yeah. gearing up. But yeah, we're seeing a lot of impact studies for, yeah, yeah. Um, from firms like yourselves as well. So yeah. yeah. Lastly, do you reckon the date's going to slip? Well, it's it's never say never. I think they, they have, I think the date slipped a few times uh, a couple of years ago. So we've working for like 2024 and so mm. on. I don't think they will slip. Uh, at least that's not what I've heard. I think that, 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 I mean, they have done the consultation paper and it's sort of landed okay, I think. So I think it's it's I wouldn't say straightforward, but I think it's you know it, it's in line with their commitments. I think, and I think also in the latest business plan from the PRA, I think they committed to the first of January twenty twenty five. So yeah, I don't think they will miss the deadline. Yeah, there's quite a lot of reasons for that. I think it's also the kind of European Union and the US and other jurisdictions are doing this at the same time. So you know you have to you know to get all the sort of ducks in in a, in a row. So yeah, I'm not aware of any any slippage but yeah never say never <laughs> yeah exactly well Ian, thank you so much for your time Pleasure. it's been really beneficial and uh, informative thank you so much thanks